Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of the Yacking Show Harmony Channel. This is the channel that brings you along your path to wholeness. And we do that by bringing you guests who will give you interesting tips and ideas to help you live a healthier and happier life as we move into the next year, 2024, just about there. So first, let's welcome co-host Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you also very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate having you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. We're so lucky and privileged to welcome Kate Hollihan to the show. Hello, Kate. How are you? Hi, nice to see you both. I'm good, thank you. And um, tell our viewers and our audience again where you're from. Um, so I'm from Kent in the UK, so that's in the southeast. Oh, fantastic. Now, Kate is um, an award-winning trichologist. She's an educator, a speaker, and the host of Hair Therapy Podcast. So let's just jump right in. <laughs> Kate, can you tell us, first off, explain what trichology is all about? Yeah, so until probably 2019, I didn't know myself, even though I'd been a hairdresser for about 20 years. But it's basically a far more in-depth study of the hair and scalp, the science and the functions behind it. So looking at scalp conditions, hair loss, hair condition problems, anything that goes a little bit beyond the scope of kind of like a hairdresser. Right. right. Okay. So a lot of people, particularly men, when you talk about hair care, they think about baldness and losing hair. Uh, there's different types of hair loss, doesn't there, Kate? Can you tell our audience a bit about the different types? Yeah, certainly. So most hair loss comes under that blanket umbrella term of alopecia. Mm -hmm. But there are quite a few different forms of alopecia. So you obviously have genetic alopecia, which is known as male pattern baldness. You can also get female pattern hair loss as well. So it's not quite as severe, but there is certainly the same patterns and signs for ladies as well for genetic hair loss. Um, alopecia areata, people might have seen where you have circular bald patches. So that can be more from autoimmune. Uh, um, okay. And also there's lots of kind of shedding as well. So there's a condition called telogen effluvium. Um, which some people pronounce telogen effluvium. And that is more kind of rapid shedding of the hair. So you tend to find people will literally say to me, it's kind of all over the house. It's, okay. it's everywhere. So there's quite a few different types and they tend to have quite a few different causes or factors that might contribute to them happening. Some are more permanent and some are quite temporary right um I know someone it's it's a woman who is experiencing hair loss but it's almost it, it's not in patterns like what you would typically see with a male sometimes you know you have you know the the, the um receding hairline here or baldness here <laughs> with this person it's 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 just very thinning thinning of the hair throughout the scalp so how, what kind of hair loss would that be? And how would you know if it's a genetic, a genetic cause? So I have a thing called a trichoscope or dermatoscope. So it's basically like a little microscope that I can look 
right in at the hair follicles and the scalp. So we can really investigate what's going on. So like I said, there's lots of different causes and different factors for things. With female pattern hair loss, although you would see thinning, it would be possibly in the certain telltale areas. If someone generally has a huge thinning all over, it normally is more something like telogen effluvium. But it's part of my job. You just, um, I'm sorry, it it just, um, you kind of, uh, the audio just went there for just a moment. If you could just repeat that, what what would that be if someone has thinning overall? So if it's if they're if they're losing lots and lots of hair and it's going thin throughout, then that's normally more like telogen effluvium, more of a temporary shedding condition. Okay. There are other things that it could be. So it's really important to actually investigate and go and see someone like a trichologist that can give you a specific answer because the conditions present in very different ways. So with genetic hair loss, you can actually visibly see the hair hair shafts themselves, the hairs, start to become miniaturized. So they get smaller and smaller and thinner and thinner. Oh, so when you look at the hair and scalp from a microscopic point of view, you can see whether that's happening or whether it's not. Get a bit of history behind from the person. Do they visibly notice Hair. So if you said to your friend, when you brush your hair, do you find you get tons and tons come out? Is it in the drain when you wash your hair? Is it more than normal? That's normally more kind of shedding. Um, with uh, genetic hair loss or more longer term alopecia, you may not necessarily notice. You'll notice, oh, I look a bit thinner than I did three months ago. But you won't kind of say, oh, I'm leaving trails of hair all around the house. Right. Um, but there's lots and lots of different kind of factors. There are other conditions that unfortunately can present as different things. So you can have alopecia areata incognito, where it's not circular patches, it's all over. You can have um, anagen effluvium, which is a slightly different shedding condition, a bit more serious. But especially at this time of year, for us, when it's cold, Mm -hmm. we do tend to see what we call seasonal shedding. Oh, So it is quite normal sometimes in the different seasons when they change to see a little bit of a change in things like how much you shed on your hair. So I wouldn't kind of panic everyone and say if they say oh I brushed my hair and I seem to have quite a lot come out that's not to say there's necessarily anything wrong right but it's something to look out for right so let's get into some treatments if you can explain to us what the what treatments are available and in particular I, I when you were talking about the hair shaft getting smaller with say male baldness and you see that the hair shaft is getting smaller, but they're not completely bald yet. Is there a way to reverse that for the hair shaft to to become healthy again or extended again? I think it has to be something where the expectations are managed. So I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it was possible for everybody to reverse, reverse that. Mm-hmm. However, 
There are certainly things that you can do to regenerate the hair and to encourage healthy hair growth and to try and stop that miniaturization process from taking place and from continuing. So all the time the hairs are still there and the follicles are still active, mm-hmm. then there certainly are treatments that you can do to help encourage thickness and to try and kind of boost as much hair growth as possible. Um, one of the uh, things that you have to kind of bear in mind with things like genetic hair loss is if you treated someone, they obviously they're not going to go back in time. So you're not going to start seeing mm-hmm. tons of hair if they've lost quite a bit. But sometimes no change is a really good result. So sometimes even just stopping that thinning from getting any worse and preventing it from progressing is actually a really, really positive result. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. There's quite a few options. For me personally, I do know people where they just jump to kind of medical chemical solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm the type of person that would always like to recommend kind of the gentlest, most natural options first and then progress up if that doesn't kind of give Mm -hmm. you the results that you wanted. So I actually have an amazing new range of shampoos and conditioners and scalp treatments from a trichologist that were made by PM Labs and they are literally um, produced and scientifically tested by another trichologist. So I think it's important when you look at things like hair loss products, especially shampoos, Mm -hmm. they're only working on the outer surface level. Mm -hmm. So they're never, if you see something and it says this will 100% cure all your hair loss, you will look like Wolverine in a month. It's not going to be true. Any superficial or topical product you put on is only going to be able to have so much effect but it can have a slightly stimulating and regenerating effect. And it can have a slight effect on the the hair follicles and the um, blood vessels below the surface. Mm -hmm. I actually saw some research that was done using ultrasound. Oh, yes. Where they looked at the vasodilation of the skin underneath the scalp. And they actually recorded the differences in the blood flow to the scalp after people had used things like a hair loss shampoo or a hair loss product. And you could see a um, increase in activity for about 15 minutes after they used the product. So it does appear that they do do something, but I always think that's a really good port of call. It's not just to go out and buy any hair loss shampoo, right? to go out and buy something that, has got that little bit more of a guarantee that it's actually got a good quality ingredients in a high level of ingredients, active ingredients, and something that has a chance of working. Um, There are also a lot of hair loss serums and um, lotions that you can put on the scalp, which do the same kind of thing. They stimulate the blood flow and the the scalp. Right. I also offer microneedling. So you use uh, tiny, tiny little needles. They go down not even half a millimetre into the scalp. Right. Uh. And just penetrate into the scalp. And it just kind of 
causes that tiny little bit of disruption to the surface of the scalp and the hair follicles. And again, then the body kind of goes, oh, we need to send loads of nutrients and collagen and Mm -hmm. good stuff and heal the scalp. So it helps to regenerate the hair growth a little bit, but it's a lot more natural. Right. So do you get into things like hair plugs? Um, So after uh, microneedling, you can then try PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma. Right. Uh, which I don't do, but it's something that I might be looking into doing next year because it does seem to produce some quite good results. That's when you would take someone's blood, right? put it in a centrifuge, and that releases the plasma, platelet-rich plasma, and then you inject that into the scalp. So you're injecting Uh, all the nutrient-rich, really dense benefits of that Mm -hmm. product into the scalp. So that can help. Um. After that, you can try something like minoxidil or finasteride, which are chemical products. For me, you can have, I mean, what they can do now with hair transplants is absolutely mind-blowing compared to what it was like when they first started out. I mean, when when hair transplants first started out, one of the procedures was to literally just lower the forehead. Oh, so okay. they just they just used to kind of cut across and bring it down and kind of staple it oh over. My. So, really wow. oh my goodness <laughs> or you would there's um there's many different ways and some of the ways are still used um but they used to use a lot of kind of strip farming okay so it always always reminds me of kind of like lawn turf okay right. yeah okay um and they would harvest that obviously from the back and put it through the front now they are so amazingly clever that can literally extract individual hair follicles from one area and wow. place them into another area. And they still grow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as long as you get the whole follicular unit and you don't damage it and you transplant it well, um, you are normally required to alongside once, I think at least for the first three months, you have to use minoxidil or finasteride anyway, just to make sure that all those follicles aren't rejected. Um, And they can be, you know, it's not to say that every hair transplant is successful or they all work and you've got no control. Once you put them in, obviously you've got no control over how well they grow, but there are some really amazing results and it's literally kind of same day surgery so you can be sat there and they take them all out and they put them all in and then I think the first few days are quite um demanding but it can be quite a quick Mm. straightforward process really but it's obviously not it's not for everyone and it's not available to everyone if you don't have enough hair left right yes of course so they normally say the donor site is they use kind of around the back. Right. Um, if you don't have a lot of hair there or you don't have enough, if you've got a very large area you want to cover and you don't have enough, then they may say that they don't think it's suitable. It is possible to even use beard hair or chest hair okay. as a transplant. But um, obviously that wouldn't necessarily be for around the front. It might have to be to fill in a few gaps further back mm-hmm. where it's not quite so noticeable that it's a little bit more coarse, wiry, 
theater. Oh, yeah. fascinating. You're right. I mean, I had no idea that they could do those things nowadays. Wow. Wow. So I'd, I'd really be in trouble because I'm not too gray on top, but my if I grow a beard, it's white, 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 white. <laughs> so can you imagine if you took bits of that and put it up here? It'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? I'd have highlights. <laughs> well, to be honest, I'm not sure how that would go. I'm not sure if if this area of your hair was still producing colour pigment. <clears throat> ah, of course. I don't know who makes the choice on that. I know that the... That basically you've got these things called melanocytes in your yeah. hair follicles, which are the little factories that make the melanin that makes your hair coloured. But I don't know who would have the say in that, whether it would be, oh, this area of the scalp still dark, so we'll do it dark, oh, or whether it would be the hair follicle that would say, no, no, you might have moved me, but I'm still going to stay white. White, so yes. Quite interesting. You could do a little pattern in your hair of different colour. It'd be quite interesting. It would be, it would be indeed. Or you could indeed. dye it all the same color, right? You could still dye it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not if you're a man. You can't dye your hair if you're a man. Come on. Oh, come on! Some men do. Don't Listen, they? Some, don't do some, us out of all that revenue as hairdressers. Some do. <laughs> Any man can have their hair colored anytime they like as a hairdresser. We're not going to turn that revenue down. Absolutely. We can do it nice, nice and subtly for you. We're not talking about Lego hair or bleach or anything. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, great fun so somebody coming to you for for the treatment that you do what sort of expectations would be reasonable for them obviously depending how bad their problem is but what sort of results can you get yeah I mean you say it depends how bad their problem is but funnily enough I find that often the things that for other people would think oh that's nothing or that's such an insignificant thing can still be really majorly affecting someone. So mm-hmm. even this month alone, I had a patient who literally just has a dry, flaky scalp. And so she gets, she's got very dark hair and she has white flakes and she has scaling on her scalp. It's not really visible, that visible to anyone else. But she she literally said to me that she was not going to go to her Christmas party because really, she's so yeah, self-conscious about that. Yeah, yeah. So for for a lot of people, I can do um, treatments, and I do offer treatments in my clinic. So not every trichologist will offer physical treatments in their clinic. Some will just do consultations, diagnosis, um, and then they might suggest products or send you home with things to treat at home. Other trichology mm-hmm. clinics have all sorts of things. It looks like you've walked into a TARDIS. They've got light helmets everywhere and different kind of water jets and all sorts of stuff. Um, But you would always normally be looking to have an initial clinical consultation, which I think is really important. And sometimes that is the main thing for some people, that they just want to know exactly what is going on, get a diagnosis, and really understand if there is anything that they can do to help that. Um, A lot of people find with hair loss that they tend to blame themselves or worry that it's something that they've done. Mm -hmm. So most of the time it's not. In some cases it may be because of a hormonal imbalance or thyroid problem Mm -hmm. or um, deficiency. Mm -hmm. So although that's never a person's fault, obviously that is something that they can work on to help 
to change. So we normally come up with a treatment plan. I give them lots of different suggestions about the different things that can help them achieve a better hair or scalp health. And then if we decide to do treatments, I do lovely treatments in the clinic. So I've developed a my um, best kind of signature treatment is a scalp facial treatment mm. because as much as I love people coming to see me because they have a clinical need for it, I also have some amazing trichology products that, again, can do that a little bit more than most of the things you can get in just a normal hair salon. But it's also really nice for people who just maybe they do have a bit dull, dry hair because of winter, a bit of a dry scalp. Maybe they feel like they want a little bit of a pamper to come in and have a nice relaxing treatment. We often forget that the scalp is still skin. Mm -hmm. And so we still need to look after that as well. So I kind of looked at all the elements that you would have if you went and had a facial um, because it's the same kind of thing. I'm sure you know all about this, Peter, and you probably had facial every month in the salon. But some people will go and have a facial because they have a really bad problem like acne or um, dry skin or scarring. So they might need a facial. Many, many people go and have a facial because their skin's a little bit meh and they want a bit of a pick-me-up and a nice relaxing treatment. And you come out glowing. You feel Mm -hmm. so, so nice and so good. So I decided that I wanted to be able to give that experience to my patients for their hair and their scalp. Mm -hmm. So I looked at all the elements like exfoliation, a cleanse, a mask, um, infrared, steam, massage, and treat. And I kind of incorporated them into the hair and scalp. So you still go out feeling all fresh and sparkly and new, um, which people seem to really enjoy. Mm. What about nutrition? <laughs> do, you, do you advise on nutrition, especially, you know, for your patient that has the scaly scalp, which is, you know, that's still skin, as you said. Do you advise on on nutrition? So I've actually been really pleased that I've had quite a few cases where people have gone and had blood tests at their doctors and they've been told by their doctors, oh, your iron level's fine or your vitamin D level's fine because they have a quite a scale, right? Um, which is very large. Mm-hmm. So actually during COVID, while I was waiting to begin my trichology training, I actually did do an additional online nutritional diploma. And then we did a a whole unit in our um, trichology degree just on nutrition alone, because it is one of the building blocks of hair. If we don't have the necessary ingredients, we cannot produce optimum hair. Sure. And I don't think some people do realize how important nutrition is and how much of an impact it has on things like hair and skin health absolutely so it's definitely really important I'm not you know I am a trichologist I'm not a nutritionist but I can certainly advise on that and I certainly do try and guide people towards the best things to kind of eat um, and the best vitamins and nutrients for hair growth 
mm-hmm. and hair health. But I really have been very proud recently that I've had a few patients in where their doctors have said, oh, no, all your results are fine. And then when I've pushed them and I've been sent the results and I've looked at them, things like their iron levels were actually quite low. And so I've then kind of said to this, these patients, well, look, you're not anemic, but your iron is certainly not an optimum level that your body's going to be happy with. So, you know, you could definitely do with improving that. And I even had a patient who she came to see me and she has a very, very stressful, very demanding life, very, very stressful business that she runs. Um, Her dad's not well. Her son is autistic. Many, many things that cause her life to be very stressful and have a lot of demands on her time. So when she came to me and said, my scalp is really scaly, my hair is coming out in clumps. Mm. Mm. It was very easy to say, oh, it's because of all the stress. Mm. And again, with her, she'd kind of been to the doctor and she'd been to see me and I treated her scalp and her hair and she felt better, but it was still happening. And so we pushed and pushed and it turned out that she had low folic acid, low vitamin D, low iron and low thyroid. Oh, Yeah. And when I sent her a list of all the symptoms, she said, I've got every one of those. Right. Right. So Mm. it's never one, it's never one thing but I think nutrition is a really important element to look Absolutely. at. Absolutely. Mm. So I was curious, have you, do you think that, um, do you think that hair loss has increased over the last 30 years? I think there's two aspects to that because I think um, for men over the last 30 years, it's certainly changed. Um, even I would say, I mean, you probably can tell me, Peter, kind of 30, 40 years ago, I know you were very young then, but you may remember that, I mean, nowadays, if a guy's going bald, they can shave their head and that's quite acceptable. That's right, that's right. Years and years ago, you couldn't, unless you were a criminal, you couldn't shave your head. So you might have a terrible comb over going on or get an awful toupee or something, but... I think over the years for men, it's become almost like a kind of a status thing to shave your head and be like Jason Statham or whatever or The Rock. So I think it's been more acceptable for men to accept it and not try and hide it and cover it up, um, which is great. And I think they've been talking about it more. I think for women, it's the same as kind of the menopause, there's been a huge movement, especially since COVID over the last few years, mm-hmm. for us to talk about our well-being and our wellness and things that are affecting us. And I think women have always suffered with hair loss for many, many different reasons, even if it's cosmetic things like traction alopecia, where you're putting hair extensions in and causing damage or you're tying your hair up really tight and causing damage. There's been many, many cases of hair loss um, where people just wouldn't talk about it. They would just Mm. brush their hair over, cover it up. Even now I have women on my my podcast where they would say to me, my husband's never even seen 
my patches at the back. I don't speak to anyone about it. I've never spoken to my family. I'm too embarrassed. Mm. So I think we're getting to a culture where we're removing that shame and that embarrassment Mm -hmm. and we're working to normalize these things. I think we are seeing an increase and I think COVID certainly we saw an increase in shedding things like telogen effluvium from high fevers, from COVID, from the vaccine, from the stress, from people losing their jobs, from people not being allowed out. So they're getting vitamin D deficient. So many reasons. But I also think that a lot of that, there was a lot of people suffering from hair loss before, but I think it's, it's made it easier for us to share these things now and talk about these things. I I have a sorry, Peter. I just um, I have another question. Um, oh, the last time I went to my hairdresser, um, and and she was styling my hair, and she was she, you know how they, they you just make sure that the hair is is even on both sides, and she kept something isn't right. Something isn't right. And then she she grabbed my hair on one side, and I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, she's just trying to get it right, and she said. You, your hair is thinner on your right side than mm-hmm. your left side. She says, do you sleep on your right side? I said, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. And she says, well, I think that's probably what accounts for it. Is there any truth in that? Like, because I'm sleeping on the right, it's my hair might be thinner on that side? I think very, very minorly, possibly. I don't think it's something that you're gonna have to worry about that you're gonna eventually kind of go bald on one side um on a side note I would say that something that we do recommend which is a very simple change is um silk pillowcases ah so they do work so that what that can do is help to reduce any friction so it really Mm -hmm. depends Kathleen Mm -hmm. on what kind of sleeper you are if you're the kind of person that's kind of thrashing around of a night and you're causing real friction to your hair then possibly okay also um if you're right-handed it may be more than just your sleeping so what I tend to find a lot of is when people are right-handed they tend to get their hair dryer and they tend to go like that oh yes maybe (laughs) so this side of the hair is getting probably more mechanical damage from brushing it's getting more heat from the hair dryer It's getting more damage from that. So it's probably not just the sleeping. It's probably possibly the fact that everything you're favoring that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it also could be that she's mistaken and they're the same and it just feels a bit thinner or a bit broke off for some reason. So, I mean, again, I wouldn't say it's anything specifically that you're doing, but I do, especially when I'm at the gym, I really kind of notice people's, hair drying habits Mm. and I had a client and all her hair here started to break off right and it looked it looked like someone had chewed this side of her hair off she said I don't understand why is it all breaking and when I questioned her she said oh yeah she said in the morning I wash my hair and I sit there with the hair dryer like that oh and I was like well okay this this poor hair can't can't survive that being fried so um there's it's possible there's many many reasons for that or she might have just 
thinned it out a little bit too much and well thank you for that Peter, we're running a bit on short on time here, but we are. Yes. You know, the one the one that I'd really like to ask Kate is mm -hmm. products we use on our hair and scalp. Mm -hmm. um, can they if if we go for not that I do, but some people long want to save their pennies and maybe use cheaper products? Can that cause damage to our hair? There are definitely uh, some cases where products can actually not be good for the hair. So a lot of the cheaper products contain a lot of things like alcohol, which is very drying mm -hmm. for the hair, a lot of sodium chloride, which is just used to kind of thicken the product. Things like very harsh sulfates can be very drying and not very good for the hair. Um, apparently, I think it's sodium lower sulfate, although it's not bad in all cases. It's also what they use to clean out car engines apparently oh right so um in larger quantities and the cheaper shampoo is probably not great every day there are also cases that if you tend to buy so you can often buy branded shampoos from second hand kind of places like tk Maxx and the warehouses or the brands from amazon so what i would also say is if you're going to buy something make sure you get it from a reputable source because right. I, there were cases of people buying things from like the pound shop and they yep. were kind of melting the hair because Ooh. they weren't what they said they were. So absolutely, when you're buying any anything, if you buy it from a shop like TK Maxx, that product may be 10 years old. It may have, it may be right. being sold off cheap because it's really past its best. Right. So that's worth considering as well. But I do think it's a really good idea to just take a little bit of time to kind of look at the main offenders. Right. And just look on the product labels. I know we can't spend all day in the supermarket reading every ingredient on every product. But what I do find quite interesting is, like I said, sodium chloride is used as a thickener. Mm -hmm. So they generally in a shampoo tend to use about 2% at most of salt in a shampoo. Mm -hmm. So if you look along all your list of ingredients... And sodium chloride is, say, number two or number three. Everything after that point is going to be less than 2% of that product. Right, right. So if it says argan oil shampoo, and argan oil is the 27th ingredient, it yeah. means they just got it and they just wafted <laughs> it over the top of the bottle. They didn't right. even really right. put any in. So. Right. It's not just about what a shampoo contains. It's also about the quantities of it as well. And What's in there? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we're running out of time. Kathleen, yes, back to you. Yes. Well, we have run out of time. It's, this has been so fascinating. But, Kate, how do people contact you? And, and would you consult with people um, from any place? Yeah. So I do do online consultations as well. I'm happy to do that. Excellent. And if anyone has any questions, they can always message me. So I'm probably most active on Instagram, okay, which is Hair Therapy UK. Most of the uh, platforms I am on at Hair Therapy UK. My podcast also, which is all about hair loss, mm 
is Hair Therapy Podcast. So if people want to listen about anything else of all different conditions, there's six seasons on there now. So there's plenty to have a look through. And also um, my website is hairtherapyuk.com. Okay, excellent. But yeah, if anyone's got any concerns and they can always message me and ask me or I can set up a meeting with them. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you very much, Kate, for that. And for our audio listeners, all those details, contact details will be in the description on whatever platform you are listening to this on. Back to Kathleen. Yes. Once again, thank you so much for being with us today, Kate. That was so informative. Really appreciated having you. And thank you also very much for tuning into our show. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, we invite you to visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.